how to love practice, what he would change about his senior year at Ohio State, and how to trust the process, all coming right up. This is episode number 388 with former Ohio State All-Star starting point guard, Aaron Kraft. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Best You Podcast with me, Nick Carrier. I believe the path to getting closer to the best version of yourself is going to be different for all of us, but it follows the same framework. Our lives have six different areas, health, personal, career, financial, spiritual, and relational. And in order to get closer to the best version of ourselves, we want to be managing all of those areas at all times, but also be spiking in one of them. If you want to learn how to do this, then check out my free Best You Planner and video course at nickcarrier.com slash best journey. Again, nickcarrier.com slash best journey. Today, I'm super pumped to bring y'all Aaron Kraft. Now, this episode first aired as episode number 253 a while back now, but I wanted to bring it back up during the heart of March Madness. Now, if y'all followed college basketball back from 2010 to 2014 at all, then you knew who this man was. Aaron had some huge moments for the Ohio State Buckeyes in his four years as starting point guard. Aaron was known for his defense, his scrappiness, his ability to distribute the ball, the ability to hit clutch shots, and really his ability to piss off members of the other team. After his career at Ohio State, he actually went on to play professional basketball in the NBA Development League and in Europe for a total of six years. And more recently, he's a medical student back at Ohio State. Before diving into the episode, be sure you're subscribing to the Best You Podcast on the Apple Podcast app, on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and be sure to share the episode with a friend while you're listening. Just send them to nickcarrier.com slash podcast. And if you enjoy the show, then I'd love it if you leave a five-star rating and review. But without further ado, here's to getting closer and closer to your best you with the one and only Aaron Kraft. All right. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast. I'm super fired up today to have the one and only Aaron Kraft with me today. Aaron, I just want to start by saying thanks so much for spending the time with me today. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. This is, this is fun. Yeah, of course, man. Uh, I've been really looking forward to this one. Been watching some of your uh, highlights the last couple of days um, from back <laughs> back at Ohio State. Um, but if people don't know you, to introduce you a little bit further, you're a former professional basketball player. Um, like I just said, you played college ball at Ohio State from 2010 to 2014, and then you played professionally in the NBA development leagues and, and in Europe for about six years up until just recently, and decided decided to go to med school at Ohio State, where you just uh, wrapped up your first semester. But the way I kind of want to start today is you went went to Ohio State and, and started playing immediately as a freshman, played every single game. And um, you had some you had a lot of success. You were a Big Ten, all freshman team, Big Ten, a sixth man of the year. So I'm kind of intrigued. How important do you feel like it was for you to get that early on experience to kind of set you up for success moving forward in your career? Yeah, I I was just talking about this the other day with uh, John Diebler and Coach Mata. Actually, kind of that first year, it it's in 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 many ways it was it was great because the senior class was amazing, uh, and they they taught us how to love practice, like how to love being at practice. You know, not just being there for the game, but wanting to get better, finding joy in in every day. So that was huge. Uh, just kind of seeing that culture and being able to be a part of it. Um, in other ways, it set me up for failure because they made it seem so easy <laughs> that first year, you know, we didn't lose our first game until February. And wow. here I am sitting thinking like college basketball is easy. You know, everyone, every year we're going to go undefeated and, and feel great. Um, but it really did lay the foundation, uh, for me to see like, what does a great team look like? What does a great culture look like? 
and, and that's where it started. Uh, and I've, I've only had that experience a couple other times, like that, that joy, that fun, um, kind of every day, only a couple times since. So it's always been fun to kind of look back and think about it. Hmm. Yeah. I think that's really intriguing how you said they, everybody kind of taught you how to love being at practice. So what did like, like, how did they do that? Yeah. I think first it was just their energy level. Like, you know, everyone has bad days, but uh, David Lighty, John Diebler, uh, Dallas Lauderdale, those guys love to just be in the gym. Um, and they liked, they liked learning. They liked getting better. And there was just no ego. And I think that was a big, a big thing for me to see, you know, there wasn't a, I need to get a shot up here. Or this play is not for me. So I'm not going to be locked in that year. Everything was, Oh, this play is going to Jared. Oh, that's going to work. That's a great play. Like let's run that. And that's seniors that are going to like come in and let a freshman, you know, be the center of our offense who've been, you know, and they didn't need to do that, but they saw, they saw the bigger picture, which I think is so hard to do, especially when you're going through summers and you're going through workouts and, everything's just hard and difficult and the coaches are purposely like kind of putting you on an Island, but they saw the bigger picture and that helped me kind of see through some of the difficulties and adversity, um, to see what, what, what really mattered. Yeah. So like loving at practice, having high energy, like kind of being positive with all those plays or were, were those kinds of like cultural things that you guys, that you found difficult to try to like replicate in years after that, because it sounded like your freshman year, like you guys had some awesome leaders there already. Yeah. And we loved each other off the floor. You know, we like to hang out. I, I think, mm-hmm. you know, everyone, every year after that, we, we got along, we all loved being around each other. We, we are a family. We're still a family. Um, but you know, not everyone has that kind of energy coming into, into practice, into games, especially, you know, after you've been there for a couple of years, unfortunately it can start feeling like a, a job before it's a job. Uh, and that's the worst thing. That's the worst position you want to get in, especially in college, because it really is for us. It was the best, the best basketball experience that like the easiest and best basketball experience you get, uh, until, unless you make the NBA, everything else you have to work a lot harder for. You don't have the resources. You don't have, uh, everything that, that is at a place like Ohio state. So, um, it wasn't the easiest, like, like I said, the, the next couple of years, it was, it wasn't just a, you know, uh, a flick of the switch and everything was fine. You know, coach Mata continued to preach the same culture, the same type of attitude. Uh, and, and the coaches tried to embody that, uh, for sure. But if you don't have players that are willing to kind of buy in and sell in, then it always makes it tougher. Yeah. Gotcha. So I was a, an athlete in high school. I played a big baseball and football in high school. And I know kind of from season to season, like during the off seasons, I always knew I had certain things in particular that, I wanted to try to improve on. Like I'll never forget, like going into my junior football season, I knew I had to get faster, and that was my number one thing that I had to focus on during that off season. Were there like specific things that you looked to improve upon from year to year um, throughout your four? Yeah, you know, I, for me, it's 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 very easy to just always come back to my uh, my shooting. Um, it was always the thing that I knew I was going to spend the majority of my spring and summer really trying to focus on that and, and just finding something that was comfortable and finding something that I could replicate, uh, and replicate on my own because I could do great with the coach in, in the gym or, or whatever that was. But until I got to a point where I could go in by myself, like whatever, early in the morning or late at night and feel confident in what I was doing, I, I, I knew I hadn't really made it. Uh, and I think a couple of years we got to the point where I was like, I, I was comfortable and I loved it. Uh, and then whatever happened when the season started, 
a trigger went off of some sort, uh, which is a, is a whole nother two hour podcast that we can go into. But yeah, I think most years it was that. And as I got older, it was, it was trying to figure out how to be a good leader, um, caring about the team, uh, and, and stepping into that role. Like I said, I had great ones when I was a freshman and it was definitely a goal of mine to be that same mentor, that same leader, that same example when I was older, uh, and whether I succeeded at that or not, uh, that's, that's not really my call, but that was something I knew between, you know, junior to senior year, I was really hoping to, uh, to do. Yeah. Well, I think that's, um, just being able to like analyze your own performance and no matter whatever it is that you're trying to improve upon, I think having, being able to analyze it and then figure out where to improve is just, uh, really important. So you said that shooting was one of the main things that you always wanted to improve upon. And that was definitely not what you were known for. You know, you were known for grittiness and hard work and, 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 all, and, and defense and that kind of stuff. But there was the, I think it was 2013, correct me if I'm wrong, but 2013, third round of March Madness, third round of the tournament. You guys are tied with Iowa State, 75-75. And at the end of the game, you get the ball in with nine seconds to go. Do you know that you're going to be the one taking the shot? Um, I wasn't supposed to be. You know, the play was for Deshaun, and if you watch the video, I definitely wave him off. But I, I think once I got the switch, I I felt like I was going to shoot it. Uh, and I think the best part about it was I, I probably wasn't thinking that much, um, which is uh, a challenge of mine at times. You know, kind of overanalyzing things, overthinking, uh, you know, over outsiking myself. But there are times where you kind of get in a groove, especially playing a sport where you're not really, you're thinking, but you're not, you're not thinking if that makes sense. You know, you're just kind of in the flow in a rhythm and that's exactly what that was. Uh, I, I barely remember kind of leading up to it. I don't remember anything I was thinking before that. Uh, even afterward, you know, I don't think it sunk in what, what happened because I'm worried about there's 0.3 seconds on the clock, which no one can do anything with, but I'm still, my mind was still thinking the game's not over. Oh yeah. You, I mean, you made it and you immediately started being like, get back on defense, get on defense. <laughs> I don't regret the way I reacted, but like that was, that's the biggest game winner I've ever hit. And I definitely did not uh, react <laughs> as many people would have. Right. You didn't, you didn't like celebrate, soak it in and like take chest bump, but back bump, but high five, nothing really. Like I was, I was so locked in, but later on in the locker room right afterward, that, that's kind of when it was like, this is a big deal. Like this is, this is the NCAA tournament. Um, like this is kind of what you dream of. This is what you do in your backyard when growing up, uh, at least when I was growing up, many kids aren't outside as much anymore, but you know, that's like, that's what you envision. Uh, and, and that's when it hit me. I was like, that was, that was really cool just to be able to be in that moment. And I mean, the work I put in got me to that point. So, uh, yeah. that's, and I think that's why I wasn't thinking if that makes sense. You know, I, I trusted in the practice and in the reps and the time that I'd put in to be able to put myself in a situation like that, to be able to just kind of go with it and not have to worry. Yeah. Well, you probably don't really care what I think or if it's any consolation, I think you reacted in the right way because I mean, there's plenty of times where people have big plays, make big shots, score big touchdowns. And somebody like, I remember like a freaking Georgia football game. I went to Georgia and like, they scored a touchdown to go ahead and then there was an excessive celebration penalty and forced on the kickoff. There was like 10 seconds left and then they ended up keep losing the game and just things like that. You got to be able to, to, you know, keep your cool and, 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 and not, not so not easily. 
not easy, you know, both ways too, right? Like staying, staying even keel, being constant. That was something coach might love to talk to us about being able to stay, stay even regardless of what's going on. Yeah. No, no doubt. Um, I was going to go somewhere else, but to touch on that last part, that's something that I've heard from actually a number of people now, the, the even keel thing. And the first time that I heard it, I was interviewing a, an NFL, uh, a former NFL coach about Sean McVay is the head coach of the Los Angeles Rams. And he went to my high school uh, back in Georgia. So like, I was asking him a question about him because the coach I was asking has a son who also coaches on the Rams with him. Anyway, I was like, what allows Sean McVay to be so successful at a young age? And he said that he's, I think he used the exact words, he's even keel. Like no win or no good practice gets him too high. No loss or no bad practice gets him too low. Um, and so that, that's just something that I've heard over and over again. But to kind of get back on what we're talking about, you you know, you didn't celebrate right away. And I think part of that is just because you're also super humble. And I think sometime in your childhood, your your dad might have said something like, have a piece of humble pie or, or something like that. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, it sounds like it's, it sounds like you've had a number of those slices. So um, but one of the things that you were really known for was your defense. Like you're the all-time Big Ten leader in steals, and obviously the Ohio State um, leader in steals. And I know your dad preached defense growing up, and he said that any skin you lose on the floor will grow back. What do you think allowed you to be really great at defense? And I say this, and I preface it with the humble thing, because don't be humble when you answer the question. No, I... I've I've got this question a lot, right? You know, it's, it's right. kind of the first question a lot of people ask. And the first thing I like to say is it's not an easy answer because if it was, I think, you know, if it was easy, it would be a lot more common. Um, if, you know, if there, if there was a, a quick blueprint for everyone to follow, then people would do it and we wouldn't be having these discussions. But, right. um, you know, I think the the first thing for me was it always came down to wanting to impact the game. Um, how can I impact the game to help our team? And that always came for me. Uh, and honestly, I think for anyone, because, you know, defense is a lot of just effort and intensity and, and attitude. Uh, that was the way I knew I could always impact the game, regardless of what happened on the offensive end defensively, I can make plays and I could help our team get extra possessions. I could, I could frustrate people, which was, uh, probably what I miss a little bit about not playing, uh, just being able to get in someone's head and being able to do that. Uh, and once I saw at a young age that that was like, and that was a role that I could fill like on every team. And it was a way, it was something that coaches loved and they enjoyed. Um, I was in. So ever since I can remember, I always um, didn't mind being labeled that guy. Uh, and I haven't always been like that guy. Uh, you know, I, I, in high school, I'd, I did kind of everything because I was at a smaller school, but uh, by the time I got to college, for sure, it was one of those things where I came in as a freshman. This team's awesome. What do you need to do, Aaron? You need to play defense, play, guard the other team's best guard and not turn the ball over. So I figured out that, you know, that was my role. That was what I needed to do. And then it morphed into this, like, man, I can, I feel like I can guard any guard that we're going to play. You know, I'm, I'm never going to back down from someone. I don't think anyone's, out of my league for me to me to be able to guard them. So I'm going to attack and, and see what I can do. So I think that was a big, big aspect of it. Like mentally, I, I was never defeated going into a game. 
um, which is probably something a lot of people can struggle with, uh, just kind of going in wondering if they can, or if they can't, uh, I never, I never really had that, that doubt or that, that fear. And I think that really helped me. Um, and then from, from an X's and O standpoint, I had great coaches that, uh, just taught me how to play defense well. And I think a huge part of it was positioning, knowing where to be and when to be there and being there type thing. Uh, for whatever reason, I have some quick, I have quick feet, which I don't know where that came from. I played soccer when I was young. So maybe that, that helped uh, a little bit there. Uh, but these, these feet like to move pretty fast and, uh, usually shock some people. So uh, I think it's just, a, it's a combination of all those things. Um, my attitude, my, my, my love for it, my enjoy, my enjoyment, enjoyment in it. Uh, and then, but it also does come down to those fundamentals, those X's and O's, uh, yeah. my high school coach, I mean, man, I can still see us doing drills, you know, day after day, making sure that as a team, we were doing what we were supposed to be doing. And then you have freedom to, to kind of make it your own, which is kind of where it went. Yeah. Well, I, I love the thing about the kind of like you realize that was your role and, and that's how you could most impact the game. I, I love that. And and as I was watching your highlights, cause I, I heard you answer the question on another interview that you did a long time ago. And, you know, you answered it in the humble way that, you know, my def- my players bring the, the ball to me or whatever it was. And I was like, what does actually make this guy so good on defense? And I think that having the mindset going in that like, your goal is to steal the ball and I actually can steal the ball because there are certain times where if you didn't have the effort level of, or the the mindset that you had going into it, then you just like wouldn't have gone a certain way or you wouldn't have tried tried a certain thing. Whereas some, some of you just don't think about it. It's kind of like in football when a, one a, a defense causes fumbles, why do they cause fumbles so much? Because they go in like trying to knock the ball out. And if they don't deliberately go trying to knock the ball out, then they're just going to tackle him, which, which it, it's, it's fine, but you're not going to get the turnover. So I feel like going in knowing I am trying to steal this damn ball is, is huge. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I can remember, you know, maybe two times in my career that for whatever reason I went in like kind of unsure it was professional games where I was like, yeah, this guy's a little older. He's a little more skilled. Can I do this? And a light switched off, like in the middle of the game. Uh, like I was like, whatever, let's, let's attack him and kept him in front of me, turned made it turn his back to the, to the basket. And I was like, I can do this. Like this, this isn't a, this isn't an issue. Um, and it, it made me frustrated that the two times we played him before I was like playing on my heels kind of, I was giving him way too much credit if that made sense. And you know, it's not about like, it's not about uh, me bragging or being a prideful thing or me thinking you're a terrible player. Like, man, I, I played against some of the, the best guards, like in the country, especially when I was in college and some beyond, like they're great players, but I know that I can be there right there, right there with you. Uh, and I just think a lot of offensive players aren't challenged like that. Oftentimes, like you can go in and be defeated before the game even starts, or you can get <clears throat> another thing is you can get discouraged in the middle of a game. Like, you're guarding the best guard in the country and they're going to make, they make a tough shot. Who cares? You know, like it's like, yeah. he needs to know that I'm going to be there the very next play. I'm going to do the same exact thing. He's going to have to make the same exact tough shot just because he makes a tough shot. It's not going to make me kind of wilt back and be like, Oh man, I can't do this. Um, yeah. if he has 20, he's going to earn his 20. It's not going to be an easy 20 points or easy, you know, easy six, seven baskets. Like you're going to earn them and if you make them, Hey, like you're great. You're a great player. I expect that. Uh, but it's not going to be a walk in the park. Yeah, no, I think putting anybody on a, a pedestal, a pedestal, if it holds you back from doing something is, is just one of the 
most harmful things that you can do to yourself. And that's applicable to anything. Like if somebody goes into a meeting where there's going to be uh, their boss or CEO and they think, oh, this person is way above me. There's no way I can bring up my idea or say anything. Then they're going to hold themselves back. So I think that idea is is so applicable to everything. But one of the things fascinated about is during your your four years, and uh, again, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I think I've got it right. In your freshman year, you guys went to the Sweet 16, uh, sophomore Final Four, junior Elite Eight, and then y'all lost in the first round in your uh, senior year. <laughs> Sorry to bring that up. Um, was there like a like kind of like looking back on it in, in hindsight? Do you feel like there was something different from the teams that were maybe the Final Four, Elite Eight, um, versus the other teams? Like, do you feel like there was? a cultural thing or a skill thing or anything like that? We'll be back to the interview in just a second. But first, I wanted to share a quick testimonial from a past participant of the 10-week transformation program. I started running the 10WT in the beginning of 2020 and I've had over 150 people on counting go through it and they've seen amazing results both inside and out. If you're inspired to join after listening to the testimonial, then go to nickcarrier.com to learn more. We'll get back to the episode in just a minute, but first, here's what they had to say. Hey, I'm Adam. I joined Nick's 10-week program to get in shape for my wedding. In addition to that, to lose a little bit of weight and to bulk up my chest a little bit. I've lost five pounds and then I've been able to increase my bench max by 20 pounds. I think the consistency, it's helped me develop better habits and helped me get into the gym five or six days a week and really see the results of my efforts and helped keep me accountable throughout the entire journey through the program. You should join Nick's 10-week program. It's tough to answer because my freshman year was the probably the most talented team I've ever been on. And we only went to the Sweet 16. Um, and that's just because, you know, we had one day, one game where we just didn't play well. And Kentucky played well and they came out on top right at the end. Uh, but that was, I mean, that was the best team I was on. And if you ask anyone else that I played with, like, they would say the same thing. Mm-hmm. And we still lost earlier, you know, sophomore year, whether we had a better NCAA draw, whether we just had shots fall down when we didn't have shots fall down the year before, whatever that may be. Um, I think there was a lot of preparation, obviously that went into each season. Uh, there was a lot of, a lot of effort, a lot of focus, um, a lot of ups and downs. Uh, I think the teams that were, that went further or that were better probably were able to handle those ups and downs a little better. They were able to handle the adversity throughout the season that came, that came our way, uh, you know, and as a senior, you know, I don't think I did a great job of, uh, leading our guys in, in that way, um, my last year and shoot, we started out great. You know, we were like 13 to zero in the top 10 in the country. And then we just hit a, we just hit a skid where it was really hard for us to come out of. And looking back, you know, I'm, that's something that I kind of wish I could have over again, uh, just how I reacted, how I responded, how I reached out to guys. Um, and then I think that kind of came out all, the, all of our struggles and challenges came out in that last game against Dayton in that first round. Uh, they were hungry. They were ready to get after, and they weren't scared of us. Mm-hmm. And uh, we weren't really kind of up for that challenge. And, you know, it came once again, it came down to the wire and um, just like the first year, a guy hit a game winner in my face. So uh, I think that's probably the biggest thing, being able to handle the, the adversity that you face throughout a season, which is inevitable. Uh, but obviously every team handles that differently. Mm-hmm. Well, I hate to uh, go deeper into the question, but I, I am I am interested. What um, if you feel like you could do if you were presented with a situation again? What what things would you have done differently? Yeah, no, I just think I I just think I would have been more encouraging. You know, I, I think 
Um, yeah, this is a safe space. I, I just feel like I, w- I was probably too selfish in the moment. You know, I, I was envisioning, you know, this is our senior year. This is kind of where you're supposed to kind of go out on top and do all these great things. So I was probably more preoccupied with that than I should have been. And not in like a flashy showy way, but like deep inside internally, I think that that was kind of driving a lot of the things that I thought and how I acted and what I said. Um, and that's just, I don't know. That's not who I am. Uh, that's not who I want to, how I want to be remembered. And, um, I don't think I, did anything explicit, but I, I think I was kind of driving me internally. So being able to let go of that and just kind of letting it happen as it, as it did, uh, or how it would is something I would change, uh, kind of being able to be introspective in the moment instead of four years down the road when I was thinking, man, you, you really kind of, you messed up that situation. You could have done that better. Um, and I think just being more present with those guys, um, time always goes faster than you think. And, uh, you know, when we're, when you're 13 and 0, 14 and 0, you're feeling great and you're just kind of rolling, going with it. You're going with the status quo. Everything feels good. Uh, and then all it takes is one thing to get you off of that. And then you see kind of where your true colors lie. And I think that's what kind of happened, especially f- for myself. Um, so I, I, I wish I would have kind of been more encouraging and been there and, uh, for those guys more than I was. Gotcha. Well, I appreciate you, sh- you sharing that. Um, <laughs> I didn't think about this until kind of we got started, but how do you, I mean, so right now, you know, we're talking about your, your days at Ohio State and what are you, 28 right now? 29, 29 right now. How do you like versus dislike being like remembered as Aaron Kraft from Ohio State, point guard from Ohio State. Like, what are the pros and cons, the likes, dislikes of you know what that brings along with it? Yeah, um, there are way more, way more, way more positives to that than than negatives. Um, especially now, I would say negatives. In the moment, it was just challenging to do some things. Like, um, I'm married to she was my girlfriend while I was in college. So, um, that was like challenging in and of itself, kind of navigating that, being able to go and do things and, um, just kind of being a normal person. Uh, I was lucky cause I'm, I'm six two and I, I blend in, I can put on some jeans and <laughs> no one really, unless my cheeks get red, then uh, no one really notices. Um, that was probably the most challenging thing. Um, but you know, as a, 19 20 20 year old kid you you kind of love that too right like it's right i'm not going to sit here and tell you like it was it was a terrible thing like being able to be seen and known um as vain as that might be uh it's just kind of how we are as yeah. humans um positives though like it just it, w- it was a platform um I, I wouldn't be doing this podcast if i wasn't that guy you know i wouldn't there are so many and there are countless speaking in uh, engagements and, um, relationships that I've been able to build because of simply for the fact that I play basketball at Ohio state, uh, that don't happen. Um, uh, people that I've got to meet and get to know, uh, and it's been amazing, uh, for, and for whatever reason, people want to listen. Uh, so it's been something that I've been able to like embrace and enjoy, uh, and just really try to, hopefully I have something, you know, worthy to be listened to. Uh, and that's something that you don't really get used to at first because, like I'm no different, you know, one day I can remember, you know, my freshman year, no one really knew who I was. And then we went to Florida. It was like a top 10 matchup and we 
destroyed him. And that was like, when I got back, everyone knew who I was after that mm. game. So a week before that, I was just this random dude at campus. People thought I played lacrosse. Um, and then I come back and people are like dapping me up, like giving me like, like whatever. I'm like, this is, this is insane. And it only, you know, it only escalated from there. Right. So like wrapping your head around the fact that like, Hey, people are going to listen. They're going to give you opportunities. So what are you going to talk about? What are you going to, what do you want your message to be? Um, and, and that's been fun to, you know, figure out what that can be, what that, what that looks like and trying to still be authentic as, as I can, as authentic as I can. Um, and it's also, like I said, it's opened up so many doors to meet amazing people, uh, and, uh, people that inspire me and that our relationships that I still really enjoy. Um, you know, the canones are probably one of them. So. Nice. Awesome. Well, you definitely have some, uh, stuff to say that's worthy listening to, but, um, <clears throat> so to kind of transition, just to spend a little bit of time on your, your professional career. So, like I said, you kind of did a little bit of both of kind of the developmental league stuff and, and the NBA and, and playing a little bit of Europe. And it kind of seems like almost every single year you were on a different team and, and, and back and forth a little bit. So what did you kind of learn about yourself or what was one of the biggest lessons that you learned from doing all of that, like back and forth from this team to this team and, and, and all of that. Um, you know, the first thing, uh, that the first thing I did face was being like rejected in a sense, you know, I didn't get drafted my first summer league team. I didn't play. I went to training camp and got cut. Um, so in like a three month span, basketball had always kind of gone my way and in a three month span, everything went, opposite of how I imagined. So it was a big moment of like, okay, like, well, how are you going to respond to this? Like, what are you going to do? And uh, it probably took me a couple months longer than it should have in the D league playing on that team to like embrace that situation and really be there and figure out, okay, man, you're, you're not in the NBA. You, you don't have a shot at this moment, but you have a really, you're on a really good team with a really good coach and you're in a beautiful city. Like stop feeling sorry for yourself, you know, stop, stop throwing yourself a pity party. Uh, so that was kind of the first thing, like accepting the journey kind of wherever it took me. Um, yeah. for me, it's like, it's easier for me to say now, but like God's definitely taken me exactly where I needed to be. It's definitely not where I would be if I had, if I made all the choices, but he's taking me where I've needed to be to grow and, and learn and change. Um, so that, that was the first thing. And I think as the years go on, um, things that I've learned, being able to roll, like kind of roll with the punches in a sense, like, like you said, every team is different. Every country is different. Every culture is different. Every organization is different. So like, if you come into a situation with these crazy expectations and it, and it's completely opposite, how do you handle that, um, that adversity? How are you, what are you going to do? Um, and that's the first five to six weeks is always the, the toughest anywhere you go because it's a right. new situation. It's, it's a new language. You're trying to figure everything out. You're trying to be a great basketball player and like earn your teammates respect and trust. Um, and I've noticed that that lesson helped me in med school as well, because they've been, the schedules changed. We've been in person, we've been out of person. Um, and just being able to just like, okay, like, all right, this is a setback, but it's not going to ruin everything. Like, let's just keep moving forward. Let's keep striving. Let's, and let's keep enjoying the process because, um, it's really easy to get lost, um, in everything that's negative and focus on those things. But when I really sat back in my first year overseas, it was David Lighty. We were on the same team. He told me like, 
I was in there lifting like, man, this is dumb. Like we're in, it's the morning. Like, why are we doing a two a day? Blah, blah, blah. And he was like, Hey man, never forget. Like they're paying you to work out. They're paying you to take care of your body. And I was like, Dave, that's amazing. Like that is, that is real like that. And ever since then, it's just been like, man, enjoy where I am. Like there's, there's so many great things that have come out of it. And like I said, it's not where I would, would have chosen, but man, I've had a, I've had a, a great life so far and, and really enjoyed it and got to share it with my wife the entire time. Yeah. So was there any, like, like you said, you were in a, every country's different, every team's different. And the first five or six weeks are the hardest to, to get a, acclimated to the new place. Was there any like store, was there any like story of going to a different country and doing something wrong or anything like kind of interesting like that? I think, and whether it's just because it was the first overseas place we went or not, my first year I was in Hungary. I played in the D league. Then that next year thought I played well, went to Hungary. Um, <laughs> wife and I are super excited, you know, like, Oh, let's go like, let's go travel and see this new place. Um, man, we landed in Budapest. Budapest is a beautiful city, but my town was two hours from Budapest. So like we landed, it's dark get in this van with people that don't speak English and Hungarian is like a very unique language. So there's no overlap with English. So there's, there's no, there's no, like nothing we could do. Drive two hours, get there. It's dark. Not many street lights. Okay, great. Like we're finally here. It's been a long day. Unlock one door, unlock a second door, walk up steps, unlock a third door, unlock a fourth door to get into our apartment. And I was like, why are there four, why are there four doors? Like, are we in a bad neighborhood? Like, what is this? And they just said, they dropped our stuff off, made sure we connected to the Wi-Fi Cause that's like lifeline over there. And it said, all right, I'll be here tomorrow in the morning to pick you up to go to practice. See ya. And my wife and I sat down, they left and we looked at each other. Like, we have no idea what we are getting ourselves into. Next day we left. There was a bat in the like common area of our apartment. Oh my God. And I was like, this is, this is fantastic. This is, this is not what I was anticipating or expecting. Um, but once again, that was, that was a whole nother, like just eye opening jaw dropping because Hungary is so different than the U S in so many ways. Um, being behind the iron curtain for so long, like, um, it was a challenge, but it was a, it was a good challenge. That's awesome. That's awesome. I love it. Um, was, was there a specific time when you knew, I guess this at the beginning of this year or end of 2019, where you knew it was going to be your last season or you knew that this is, this is it. Was there like a specific spark for that or was it kind of a gradual thing or what did that look like for you? I've been talking about quitting. Man, that sounds bad. Retiring for <laughs> four, like four years now. Um, the first year I spent in Italy, Amber, Amber's my wife, Amber, we, we talked about it and said, Hey, you know, thinking about going back. Uh, and then, doors just opened, got open doors. That was like really hard not to run through. And it's like, this is an amazing opportunity. We have to do it. So going into this season, I told my team like, Hey, you know, this is going to be my last. Um, and it was a team I'd already been on. So like they were, we had a really good relationship. So he was cool with us having that conversation. Um, he knew I would fight and want to win. So like he was cool with it, but I knew going into the year, like this is my last one. I want to handle it well. I want to like pass the torch off to these younger guys that are on my team. Um, and it just ended sooner than I thought it was going to. Um, because I had gotten, in, I got into med school two years ago, um, and then deferred a year 
to, to be able to play this last year. Right. Um, so like they wouldn't, they wouldn't hold my spot forever. Uh, it was one of those things where like, oh, we'll give you another year if you want, you can have it. Um, let me play one more year, you know, kind of help us out financially. And, um, March 3rd was my last game. I thought it was going to be at least, it was, it was May 16th, I think was my last regular season game, but March, uh, it was like March 3rd in, in Belgrade, Serbia was my last game instead. Gotcha. All right. Well, good deal. Um, well, we kind of completely change subjects a little bit. Um, you have a, a son that's almost two now, uh, Owen. What is uh, one of the biggest things that maybe you've learned about yourself since becoming a father? Uh, I am a selfish guy. Um, <laughs> I am, and I don't know if, if, if you've heard this before, but a lot of people told me like, you figure out how selfish uh, and prideful you can be when you, when you get married. Cause it's like you get married and you're living with someone else and you like, you're kind of trying to figure that out. And th- that was partially true. Like I remember that. Um, but not as much because with basketball, the basketball lifestyle, like I, I still had enough time to like focus on her give her attention, but also have time for me. And I traveled a lot. So like I was gone, I could do my thing. Um, but man, he, he wrecked that for sure. Um, and I find myself often having like many, like multiple times throughout the day, I have a choice. I have a choice. You know, I have, I have 30 minutes. Um, what, how am I going to spend those 30 minutes? Am I going to, you know, am I going to bless my wife by cleaning these dishes, um, or, you know, picking up X, Y, Z, or am I going to waste these 30 minutes, like scrolling on my phone or doing whatever, like makes me feel good. Um, because there just isn't enough time to, to wash the dishes and do my thing and be like a good father. Um, right. and, and that's just showed me it's been good. I like guess it's been humbling. It's been frustrating, but it's been, I need to see it. You know, I, I need to see these moments of, um, in the times when I think I'm, man, you're doing, you're doing great. Um, he like reminds you like, no, you're, you're not really, um, you still have like, there's still room for growth. There's still room to, to learn and get better and mature. Uh, and it just gives me a great appreciation for my parents growing up and sacrifices they were able to make. Um, so that's probably been the biggest lesson that I've, I've noticed. Um, is I can, my, my, I like to turn inward a lot uh, more than I would like, I don't know. I like to think of myself as a humble and, you know, like selfless person, but uh, when you really put, put to the pressure and the test, it comes out. So, yeah, well, I feel like I've definitely heard that from people before. Cause that's a, that's a question that, that I like to ask, but I mean, I think it's just a, it's just a human thing. All humans are innately, you know, selfish to a certain, certain, to a certain degree. And it's just also a huge life change where like before you're married, the only person you have to worry about essentially is, is yourself when you get married, just kind of the two of you. And then once you start having kids, it's like, Oh my gosh, like a lot of my things go out the window. I still don't know why I'm responsible for the little guy, but uh, it's, it's been, a, it's been a wild ride. I, 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 another big lesson I've learned is, uh, babies in general are very, uh, are very tough. They're very durable. Oh, okay. I didn't, they can handle a lot of things. Um, I didn't know anything about babies before, but yeah, they're strong. They can hold yeah. up. They can hold up to a lot. That's awesome. Well, just one one thing I want to touch on real quick because you've mentioned it uh, a couple times, and 
I know, I know it's a big part of your life is, is your faith. And, you know, you, you mentioned how God opened up some doors for you and you felt like if, it, if you were one the, the one making all the decisions, it would look differently. But since he's the one making decisions, it looks the way it does. Um, and, you're, and you're thankful for that. What, just kind of what role does kind of faith play in, play in your life? Like on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. Um, it should be a bigger role, honestly. But uh, for me it just gives me the hope and joy that I, that I think as, as a person, as, as a human, like we all desperately want and need. Uh, and it's been so easy to look back now and see his God's fingerprints kind of on everything and taking me where I needed to go and showing me things and revealing things and showing me like how unlike him I am. Uh, and that's something that is a tough prayer to pray, but it's something that, I've warmed up to as I've gotten older. Um, he knows anyway. So just really trying to reveal, reveal it to myself, help me to see what I need to do to, to love him, to love him well, but also to love those he's put in my life, uh, how to love them well, uh, especially when it comes to my wife and my son, because for whatever reason, you know, he, he, he saw fit to give us, give me that responsibility. And it's not something that I want to take lightly. So, uh, and I think, it was very easy to, in theory, it was easy to connect God and especially Jesus to my basketball career. Uh, and he showed me time and time again that he reacts and, and um, makes things happen, makes things happen on his own time in his own way. Uh, and he's not like a, he's not a lucky rabbit's foot. He's not someone that I could like coax into like giving me a good game. Uh, he was just a person that was there, just wanted to watch me play, wanted me to enjoy what I was doing uh, and to have great love there just because to know that I was accepted regardless of the outcome of the game because of what Jesus did for me. Um, It's just a load off of my shoulders each and every day uh, that I can remind myself of that acceptance Um, because man, I I like to do things. I like, I really like to work my way up and, you know, earn your trust, earn your respect. Um, But to be able to let go, especially on something as big as, life in general, uh, is such a freeing feeling. Uh, it's something that I, I want to just continue to dive and grow deeper into. Um, which is amazing to me that like, man, people study the, the word for years and years and years, 40 years, and they're still learning new things. Um, so the, the depth and the breadth that is available, um, because he chose to make himself available is, is remarkable to me. Yeah, dude. Love that. That's, Good stuff right there. Um, but down to the down to the last couple of questions here. I think that in order to get closer to the best version of yourself, uh, it's really important to gain clarity on what you think the best version of yourself looks like, what you think the best version of yourself is capable of. And and so my goal every single day is to try to gain clarity on that person and then try to reverse engineer him into reality. And one of the questions that I found really helpful for me is, is what I'm getting ready to propose to you. And it's, is there a specific skill or piece of knowledge that the best version of yourself has that you don't yet currently have? Wow. Yeah, that'd been good to have a heads up on that question. Um, (laughs) That's good. That is really good. Um, Cool. I I would say um, future self, better self um, is able to rest more, is able to rest in exactly where he is, um, exactly what he's got in front of him instead of, uh, constantly 
striving for something more, something extra, something bigger, better. Um, older me is able to rest, rest exactly where he is, uh, and really enjoy where he is. Hmm. I like, I'm going to steal that. Uh, yeah, do it, do it. Yeah, man. That, that was well said. I, I've, uh, I think it's a good question to definitely revisit every so often because I think you can always come up with good stuff. And then when, you know, when you come up with something, then you can create some sort of action plan. I say like, okay, well, how can I start working on that? Um, but before the last question, Aaron, I want to acknowledge you to back in your basketball days, being able to kind of like realize your role early on at Ohio state, being this gritty guy, work at hard work ethic, um, uh, def- defender and to really embrace that into, you know, run with it and, and make it everything that you made it into, I think was super cool. And then for you to kind of be making this transition in your life and, and kind of be maybe trusting the process a little bit more and, and, and realize that um, you're starting to become more and more uh, humble and selfless as you have a child. I think it's just really cool to be able to kind of, obviously I'm just meeting you for the first time, but kind of hear the evolution of it is really cool. No, thanks, man. I, I really appreciate it. I, I do. And man, it's a process. We're all on it, right? We're all, yeah. we're all seeking. Hopefully we're all trying to be the best that we can be. No doubt. No doubt. Well, uh, I want to make sure everybody goes and uh, supports you best way possible. You can find Aaron on Twitter at a craft, uh, a craft four anywhere else. People should go follow you or support There's you. There's an Instagram out there still, but I don't, I don't have it on my phone. Um, okay. I just, helps keep my mind clear and, and focused. Um, I probably scroll on Twitter too much, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not really anywhere else. I don't, I don't really have time for much else. I, I yeah. And med, med school, I, I wouldn't think so either. I wouldn't think so either. But uh, last question, Aaron, is kind of what you, what you just touched on is I think that getting closer to the best version of yourself is a constant journey. We're always seeking that best version of ourselves, And I always also think it's a unique journey. I think the way that I'm going to get closer to the best version of myself is a little bit different than the way that you're going to get closer to the best version of yourself. So for you personally, if you can currently do or currently work on three things to get you closer to that best Aaron craft that you could possibly be, what are those three things that you could currently work on? Yeah. Um, that's a, another fantastic question. Um, I think, you know, the first thing, uh, working on being present. Uh, so especially I, I can't get so busy and it's hard for me to turn my mind off. Uh, like I, I sit in this room and staring at this screen a lot because that's where all of our lectures and material is. So I'm so used to like intaking a bunch of knowledge that when I leave the room, being able to like leave everything in this room uh, and be quiet. Um, so like that, that includes like, I've been really trying to focus on leaving my phone out of reach, um, leaving technology out of reach so that I can be present with Amber and Owen. Um, that's one thing that I've actually been currently attempting to work on. Uh, that you're speaking of. Um, the other thing is being disciplined. Um, in the morning, I, I like to get up early and, and read, uh, in those days, um, read the word and the days that I do that aren't perfect, but, um, I'm just, I'm better equipped. I'm better charged for those days. So being disciplined in that regard, uh, it's very easy to, to kind of, Hey, 30, 30 extra minutes is, isn't it going to make or break me, but apparently at six fifteen in the morning in your mind, you think 30 extra minutes is going to like change the day, but it won't. Um, so being able to be disciplined, um, and it, now that I'm out, I think the best version of myself is a healthy version. So, um, I tend to continue to 
have the same eating habits as I had when I was playing and I'm not burning near the amount of calories I was when I was playing. So uh, that comes down to decision-making uh, and being disciplined again uh, with uh, man, I like ice cream. I like dessert. So being wise in that regard um, and not going like completely cold Turkey, but uh, making healthy choices that in that regard, I think uh, it's all correlated uh, me, me staying healthy, me being healthy so I can be first off, be around um, in the future, be here for them, uh, be able to beat my son until he's 20 at basketball. Um, and, uh, there's just, it's all connected. So I, I would say those three things. Yeah. Awesome. Well, three great things. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, Aaron. Really appreciate it. That's all we got. Oh, Nick, man. Thanks. I really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. I hope you all enjoyed that episode with Aaron, especially with it being right in the middle of March Madness. Now, if you enjoyed the episode, be sure to share it with a friend or family member by sending them to nickcarrier.com slash podcast. Remember, trust the process and be where your feet are. You might have one plan, but God might have another. Take one day at a time, learn to love practice, and the results will take care of themselves. Those lessons, if applied, will undoubtedly help you get closer and closer to your best you